0: Hello fellow B2B nerds and welcome to the Merkle B2B Demand Gen Blueprint Podcast. My name's Tim Brogan, I'm a B2B paid media strategist and I've been working with marketers, planners and specialists who design and deliver demand gen programs for the past 10 years. Over the course of this series, I'll be hosting discussions which unpack demand gen program design, And you'll hear from experts in strategy, ABM, media and analytics who'll be sharing key trends and industry best practice to help you design more effective demand gen experiences. Today, we're here to talk about ABM, which is going to be of particular interest to a lot of our listeners out there, I'm sure. I have some fantastic guests here with me today to talk us through the ins and outs of ABM and what some of the opportunities are for marketers in APAC, Welcoming back, Jake Hurd, who is Merkle B2B's VP of strategy for APAC. We have Shivani Patel, client director in the Sydney office of Merkle B2B. And we also have Sanya Kanabi, who is the digital lead at Adobe for the APAC region. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for being here.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me back, Tim.
0: Just some quick introductions. Shivani, do you want to tell us who you are and what you do at Merkle B2B and, and how you help clients?
2: Yeah, cool. So as you already mentioned, him, I'm a client director here at Merkle B2B. My role is essentially leading client strategy. So I work with clients to help essentially guide their paid media strategy. Sanya is actually one of my clients, so it's awesome to have her on the podcast.
0: Awesome. Jake, I know who you are, but why don't you tell our listeners about what you do at Merkle B2B and how you help clients?
1: Yeah, sure. In a nutshell, strategy is one of those stretchy terms that means a lot of different things. My job is just to help our clients cut through the clutter and figure out what's what.
0: Awesome. And Sanya, really excited to have you here and kind of get the marketer's perspective on ABM. We're actually known to each other because I helped a million years ago in the onboarding of the Adobe account. So it was a pleasure to work with you back then. And then they found someone infinitely more competent and brought Giovanni on to to do all of the real work, which was great. Mm. But look, it would be great just to hear a bit about what you do at Adobe.
3: So I'm very excited, first of all, to be on the podcast and talk to you all about ABM. Thank you for having me. So I'm Sonia and I'm the digital lead here at Adobe for the B2B business and I am working on a day-to-day basis with you guys obviously on bringing to life our ABM strategy here for the APEC region. So very fitting topic today and I'm really excited again to be here.
0: Awesome. ABM, little bit of an amorphous concept. I think you ask 10 people what ABM is and you tend to get 10 different answers. So maybe just a level set let's have a discussion about what we think the definition of ABM is. Jake, do you want to kick us off on that? How do you define <laughs> ABM?
1: That's, that's, it's a tough question, as you said. It's a very broad, stretchy term. I think at the core, account-based marketing is just identifying and pursuing individual business accounts that is going to lead to your growth. I love Single that. sentence. That's there you super go.
0: Super simple. Always pithy. Shiv. ABM, how do you define it?
2: I think you really hit the nail on the head when you say if you ask people, you'll get a different answer. But I'm aligned with Jake in the sense when I think of ABM, I think of it as a business strategy. So it's not just a sales tactic or a marketing tactic. You're essentially bringing in all facets of the business to drive a really connected, cohesive business outcome and strategic business growth.
0: Yeah, I love that. Not just a tactic really yeah. about yeah, a not, strategy. Not
2: just list targeting. No, means. I'm with <laughs> you.
0: I'm with you. Sanya, <laughs> how do you define ABM at Adobe and what's its importance in your broader marketing strategy?
3: I think that Shiv and Jake have hit the nail on the head, like Shivani just said. So I would define ABM very similarly to what those two have just shared with you. I think it's Again, a collaboration, a tight collaboration between various different functions internally inside any given company. And ultimately, though, it's about ring fencing a specific set of accounts that you want to reach out to and reaching them with very tailored content and making sure that you address a specific business need, I guess, that you're trying to help them solve or trying to help them solve a specific business problem. That for me is ultimately what what ABM really refers to.
0: Yeah, I like that. And I think the whole point of ABM working off an insight, finding a leverage point and then building a program around that. So that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm giving you guys all the softball questions now, so they're going to get harder after this. But I liked all of those answers. Sonia. it would be interesting to hear a bit more about your journey with ABM at Adobe and how that's evolved in the work you've done with Shibani and her team as well. How's it changed over the years?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So I think we've been on our journey now for about two years with the team. So when we started out with our ABM journey, we fully anticipated this to be a longer term project and not just something that was turned around overnight. And I don't think that we fully appreciated all the intricacies that went into executing and planning an ABM strategy. So there were so many different layers we had to address with Shiv and team or also internally, right? Starting with, for example, list building and... Making sure that not only you were selecting the right accounts with the help of the sales teams, but that you were really crystal clearly aligned with the sales organization in terms of who you were going after and making sure that you had all the right details that you needed for these accounts to target them online. It sounds so simple, but as an actual matter of fact, this has been one of the biggest projects that we are still continuing to work on. I think we've definitely made huge improvements over the last two years, but I don't want to say we've fully nailed it. I think there are still a lot of things that we are constantly working on improving as we go along. However, there are also other facets to this when it comes to campaign content, for example, just to make sure that, you know, the content that you are sending out or the customer journey that you are designing for this ABM program, that they are culturally relevant for the APAC region, they may need to be translated for some markets, right? Do you have enough top-of-funnel and mid-funnel content to create an end-to-end customer journey that is relevant? So all of those things were considerations that we've had over the last two years. And there were other things such as nurture programs, for example, as well, that we had to think about building and expanding on. And it's not just about... I guess, surrounding these accounts with content, but how do you keep them engaged long-term? How do you make sure that they get the information that they need and that they're looking for? So to come up with this long-term nurture plan, I guess, and make sure that it's not just executed on one specific platform, but potentially also cross channels or executed on multiple channels. And then ultimately reporting. So what sort of considerations did you need to make that? Did we need to come up with additional dashboards or additional reporting structures that we didn't have in place? All of those things have been separate work streams almost that we had to work on over the last two years to really bring this to market.
0: Massive project and it's just really impressive the scope of it and what you guys have achieved in that time. There's a lot that I want to dive into there and sort of pick apart but one thing that, that stuck out was content and creative. How important do you think content and creative is? And more specifically, how personalized do you think it needs to be? How much effort are you guys putting into personalizing that content? Which I think is personally, from my standpoint, one of the bigger challenges. Absolutely.
3: Content is hugely important, right? If you don't get the content right, and you are not talking to the business need that you're trying to address, and it's not hitting the nail on the head, then, you know, the accounts are not going to engage. People are not wanting to read what you put out there. So it's really important to get that part right. In terms of personalization, I mean, yes, it's challenging. (laughs) I would agree with that for sure. So I think we are trying as best as we can to personalize it as much as possible. But as you said, there are challenges with that from a scalability point of view. Creating personalized content can sometimes be really challenging just from a resource perspective internally, as well as obviously you need to make sure that you have the right MarTech in place in order to facilitate this. So that is definitely still a journey we are We are still on and we are constantly improving on.
2: Yeah, I think Sanya makes a really good point. When we speak to a lot of our clients about content creation and personalization, not a lot of organizations have a broad content suite at their fingertips. I can definitely say from a paid media perspective, there are avenues you can go down to drive personalization without it having to be too resource intensive. We work with dynamic creative partners who can Do something as simple as inserting an account name or an industry into creative. And we've seen that pay off in terms of engagement. If you start off small, you can definitely grow from it. But there are avenues that you can take to help drive those outcomes through content and creative.
3: You can't get it right 100% straight from the get-go, right? So you will need to start somewhere and just make improvements as you go along. And if that is starting with small-scale personalization first and then Exploring how you can broaden that, I think that is really important to note as well. I don't think it's possible to start 100% perfect with personalization straight from the get-go.
0: Yeah, I agree. You don't boil the ocean, but that makes sense. The incremental approach and how you guys are doing it. Some of the stuff that I've seen, like there's low-hanging fruit, just simply as Shivani said, with an account name. It could be a vertical or a persona entailing message to that. I feel like that can still be scalable and executed in the framework of a media campaign. So that's awesome. I might change direction a little bit here. The next thing, Sonia, that stuck out was list building. And I think this is one of the perennial challenges I see when I'm working with clients on an ABM program is, list building you know how to build your list how to segment and prioritize do you have any thoughts on that and how you've navigated some of the challenges there like how do you work with the sales team when it comes to list building
3: so i think the number one key learning that we've had over the last 2 years is that i cannot stress enough the importance of being aligned with the sales team on who you want to target and who you ring fence as your set of accounts that you go after so We definitely make sure that when we start planning for upcoming programs and for upcoming financial years and priorities, et cetera, we make sure that we are 100% aligned with our sales organization in terms of what our goals are, what we are expecting to get out of these programs, who we want to target. There are a lot of meetings happening at the beginning to ensure that we are all talking about the same thing Everyone is aligned on what the key priorities are and then starting to understand who we really need to target in order to bring this to life. So once we have a better understanding of that, our sales team would then start working on figuring out who we need to go after. And we would then start working with internal teams to pull together the more detailed lists, right? So I guess it's more safe, giving us broader parameters in terms of the accounts that they want to go after or that they want us to go after. And then us working internally with various different teams, be that operations teams or data teams, in order to pull this exactness together. Mm. And there is a lot of rounds of reviews going into this. So we need to make sure that we don't get too many accounts, not too little accounts that we have the right details appended for all of these accounts and to be able to reach them online, obviously. So there is a lot of work going into this on a yearly basis.
1: As much as I love a good list and a good process to build a list, I think the, the inner nerd of me actually gets more enjoyment of working with the sales teams sort of face-to-face to do that because it's really good fun when you go through the process of them giving you like, in effect, the target pursuits they want to go after. But then if you overlay it with something cool like intent data, you suddenly have this big list of opportunities they might not even know that exist or you identify a white space for them that they can suddenly enter into. And that's that's what I really like about the list building process, that the nerdy kind of like showing sales that they're not necessarily the leaders in what they're trying to do.
0: Yeah, I like the idea of that not being a static list as well. And Shiva, you're probably closer to this stuff than I am and you have pretty good experience when it comes to intent with prioritization. How do you approach that?
2: Oh gosh, I think there are so many different ways in which you can approach this. But I think it really goes back to thinking about how the list has been defined and what the purpose of what you're trying to achieve is. But before I go into that, Jake, I have a really funny visual of you set up in a war room with salespeople trying to strategize their list. It's all
1: good. They always wear suits.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, as I mentioned, there are a ton of different ways you can approach it. I've got one example that I go into. Say you're a company, and this is just hypothetical, you've got a strong foot in the mid-market space, and you're looking to expand your customer base into the enterprise. Now, say sales have identified a list of five or 600 accounts that they want to go after, but we know that the buy cycle for the product or solution that you offer is long tail, and not all of those companies are going to be ready to purchase. In this scenario, we would typically work with clients to firstly understand what the objectives are. So... Are they short-term? Are they long-term? Is it a bit of both? Say it's the latter and it's a bit of both. What I tend to do here is work with intent data to identify like where in the journey those accounts are at. So I'll use intent data, and this is just, again, just an example of how I would personally approach it. I typically break the intent data into three categories. So the first is thematic intent. That's typically very high-level topics that might pertain to your product or solution. I infer from there that an account may be like in the very, very early research stages. And then from there, I tend to overlay thematic intent with product or solution intent. So that gives it that extra layer of, yes, they're looking at topics that kind of align with your category, but now they're looking at something a little bit more specific in terms of products or solutions. So... They might be actively researching. And then the third kind of layer that I apply is brand intent. So looking at brand or companies that offer that specific solution. And from there, I start to map out like, is an account in its early research stage? Is it or maybe not even in the research stage because we apply surge scores to understand intent levels? This is very long winded, by the way. If an account is showing intent across a thematic content, product and services related content, brand content, from there, I would hypothesize that maybe that account is low hanging fruit. And so from there, look to segment the target account lists based on their intent category. And then we activate from the front end the media in such a way that will promote relevant content or creative to those accounts based on whatever journey stage So you can in. kind
0: of bucket it out for the you know, high level uh, category type research. You might be giving them like a thought leadership white paper or something like that and As you move into the the lower funnel stages. We can use that attempt data to then be able to kind of map the right assets to each of the funnel stages.
2: Exactly. And that's, again, this is just like a one way to do it. There are so many different ways that we can go about segmenting lists and building them into a paid media campaign. But as I said before, it really comes down to what you're trying to achieve.
1: I think both Sonia and Shivani, they've alluded to the fact that what we're doing is building an account-based journey, Right. And I think that kind of goes into the territory where people talk more and more now about account-based experiences, because it's not, it is content super important, but then what happens after that? What happens when they go into a CRM platform? Who reaches out to them? Is it a phone call from a salesperson? Is it putting them into an automated nurture stream? There's a whole bunch of nuances within ABX. But what's really interesting to me is the fact that we talked about it previously. The average buying cycle now is ridiculously long. Like it's nearly a year from end to end for like enterprise organizations. So again, mapping out the assets against each individual stage of that journey to each of the buyers in that account across like the entire purchase cycle is really important. And it's very difficult. And there's no, in my experience, there's no quick win. Everything unfortunately has to be customized. There's no template to this because everybody's different or has different objectives. So there's a lot of heavy lifting. And then Sanya gave a bit of insight into the Adobe process there. There's a lot of work behind the scenes, but it pays off, right? I think there's some stats floating around, but I think on average, it's like businesses that significantly invest in designing those account-based programs, they see an ROI 200% more of businesses that don't. So the results are there if you put in the time and the effort.
3: I couldn't agree more. And I think that is also why we figured out that the nurture portion was just so important, because as you rightly said, the sales cycles are quite long nowadays, right? So you do need to figure out what you sort of engage these accounts with in the long term, rather than just a one-off content download or video that they are watching, right? So mm. you just, you need to really plan this out longer term. I agree.
1: And it's super difficult. Like when you get leads into your database, like they decay, like I think some something like 50% of yes. your database is dead after six months. And that's that's Absolutely. tough, right? So again, like you're consistently having to fill the top of the funnel. And I think that's, again, that's why I think ABM is really interesting because identifying the pursuit from top of funnel right the way down to like high intent to convert, like the whole process is just, is complicated and messy and difficult. But if it was easy, we, everyone would be doing it.
3: That's true. But I to me, think that it is it, rather than acquiring on a constant basis new prospects and fill the top of the funnel. I do think it's super, super important to keep engaging the accounts that you do acquire because you are right, they are decaying and you do need to figure out a way to keep them engaged, right? And that is mm. actually the much more challenging part I find. Uh, I don't find the hard part to be to fill the top of the funnel. I think the really hard part is to keep these accounts engaged and make sure you understand what sort of content resonates, and and what sort of the buying stage they're in, right? So just to get that right isn't isn't as straightforward, and definitely a learning curve.
0: What's to, to take away from there? I want to pivot a little bit, and I want to talk about another one of the things I see as kind of perennial challenges with ABM, and it's around goaling and measurement, and making sure we can connect all of our activation and all of our animation and nurture journeys right through to to pipeline right through to, to kind of this impact. And Sonia, I'm hoping at least at a high level, you can come to how Adobe's navigated that, You know how you are building out sort of your measurement frameworks that are going to connect the marketing and sales team. How do we get everyone from the same hymn book?
3: Yeah, it's definitely an ongoing project. When we started on our ABM journey, we started thinking about what did we need to communicate back to our internal stakeholders and what do we need to report on a regular basis to measure performance and optimize the campaigns that we have in market. So there were the usual suspects in terms of account engagement and account coverage that we are measuring on a regular basis. And then I guess as a lot of organizations would, you look at your marketing qualified leads, sales qualified leads, and ultimately, obviously, pipeline numbers, right? but we didn't necessarily have initially all the tools in place to measure this accurately and so it has definitely been a learning curve for us to stand up dashboards and and figure out ways of how we report on all of these metrics in a real time way and in a more regular way so we've worked on very specific dashboards when it comes to account engagement for example with you guys and that has brought us a lot of credibility with our sales teams because they started understanding a bit better in real time what these accounts were engaging with and getting them more information about what these accounts have engaged with and on which platform, right, was then allowing them also to tailor their outreach to these prospects and existing customers in a better way and having more context to that sort of enhance the communication that they then had with the customers ultimately. So it's definitely been a journey. And again, I don't want to say we've got it a hundred percent nailed, but I do think we've we've had major improvements over the last two years and we are still refining our reporting structure for sure.
1: Hey, Sonia, if it's okay, I'd just like to pick up on something you mentioned around just the kind of the lead generation process. I mean, obviously, we're talking about net new opportunities and pursuits. I'd be really interested to hijack Tim's role and and ask you a question around how structured is the process internally for working on account cross-sell and upsell within Adobe? Because the reason I ask that is that actually seems to be quite problematic for a lot of our clients where they're working in kind of those operational or product silos.
3: With ABM, you can obviously take a more holistic approach to marketing, right? Rather than just pure demand generation, which was go after your prospect or prospect accounts. So with that in mind, the approach that we've taken internally is we work with various different teams. As I mentioned before, we identify exactly who we need to go after for any given ABM program that we are trying to execute. It really depends on what the ultimate goal is, right? It could be cross-sell, it could be upsell, it could be acquiring new new accounts. It really depends. And we would then work obviously with a lot of internal teams in trying to get as much information as we possibly can, finding ways where we can make sure that we target these accounts with really relevant information. But you're right. It's not always as straightforward. We've definitely had our challenges with this as well. But having said that, it's, it's definitely something I feel like we have had huge improvements on over the last two years as well. And we are getting better at it, I think, in terms of clearly defining what exactly we need and finding the right teams internally to work together with, to get lists that, that we can then execute on.
1: Okay, that's cool at a more sort of conceptual level for me, I suspect a lot of people struggle with the whole functional upsell, cross-sell of accounts internally, because there isn't really an element of retention I find in B2B marketing, or certainly not as much focus on client retention. Uh, I heard a great expression recently, which is basically sales funds marketing. Like how true that is, is debatable, but At the end of the day, we're all on the hook, as you said, for pipeline and sales results, or even just like getting to the leads to get to those conversions and results. But it's not necessarily going to be an emphasis of retaining clients. So I think that's part of the problem is it's an organizational problem, not a marketing problem. But that's just my lofty observation more than anything.
3: Absolutely. And I do think that retention has to be part of the overall strategy as well, right? It can't just be about acquiring new prospects or acquiring new accounts, or even about targeting existing accounts, you you need to make sure you have this strategy where you retain customers, right? So I think that is super important, in fact. And often, as you say, I think it's overlooked by a lot of companies. So yeah, I couldn't agree more on that.
2: Do you think some of that also comes down to how... Fragmented. Some of these bigger companies, are like I won't use a, a specific company as an example, but you might have different solution sets across one company. They're not really thinking about cross-sell or upsell, or necessarily working together cohesively.
1: A thousand percent. No.
2: So,
3: yeah.
1: I, I think that's what I said. I think fundamentally, it's it isn't a marketing problem, but I think it is something that marketers may have to solve. Um, it is an organizational thing because, to your point, if you have salespeople in siloed functions. They're not going to be remunerated for selling a product to someone else in someone else's function. If the business looked at things more holistically, then maybe. But I think most organizations are quite some way off that at the moment.
0: I think we've been speaking a lot about insights and about being dynamic and delivering the right message to the right person at the right time. And that's kind of the crux of what we're doing with ABM at an account level. I did want to touch on paid media's role in being able to help create that dynamic experience and being able to deliver more personalized messaging or being able to pull out you know, insights to improve the program. And Chef, I just wanted to see if you had any thoughts on kind of media's role can be there in, in augmenting some of the things that we've been talking about.
2: Yeah, totally. I always say that from a media perspective, we're very blessed, but also very cursed with the amount of data and technology that we have at our disposal. I say blessed because, you know, there is so much data and once it's stitched together, you can draw some really meaningful and actionable insights off the back of it. But yeah, you can figure out like, for example, which accounts are engaging with you, who from those target accounts are engaging, what type of content they're engaging with. As I alluded to earlier, you can use intent data to figure out intent state, which is really beneficial for your activation strategies. And even, you know, beyond paid media activation, you can really take those insights and make them actionable for any other kind of outreach in the back end, like your nurture sales strategy, helping to inform sales conversations, for example. I think the challenges in YS we're also cursed in a sense is that. It does take hours and sometimes even days to really stitch that data together and gorge anything that's, again, going to actionable. And a lot of our clients do have access to this data and technology too, but they're um, unable to then orchestrate it into their... Programs Because there is just no quick way to get it together and for it to be as agile as it needs to be. So I think from like a paid media or even an agency perspective, there are a couple of ways in which we can add value to enhance both ABM and client technology without overcomplicating it. But to also help stitch that data together, which can, in turn, drive those meaningful insights. So when we're planning paid media campaigns, we tend to work with ABM partners who have really strong integration capabilities into other platforms that we're using, so like cross-integration, if that, I don't know if that's the right way to have coined it. Yeah, uh, Yeah. I've coined it. New term, everyone. (laughs) So, a good example of this for anyone who's listening is familiar with account based marketing partners and technology. We work with Madison Logic quite regularly and LinkedIn. So, again, these are just examples, but the Madison Logic ABM platform and LinkedIn can connect together and the ML platform can take account level data, add impression and click data from LinkedIn, as well as bring in its own like contents indication data or ABM display data from Madison Logic's own ecosystem. And it really stitches it all together in one dashboard. So you can add a more holistic view across the different channels that you're running in, which accounts are being touched across which channel, what your reach looks like into your target account list, who from your target accounts is engaging. And the benefit of that is the data kind of stitches together itself with any like real manual work having to be put into it. So when we're planning, we do often look for those that help alleviate the manual work. And I think from a client technology perspective, we also look to leverage partners who can integrate with the client's MarTech stack and can either create audience segments based on those like email nurture audiences, for example, or can push into paid media channels. So say you've got Marketo, you can take audiences and push them into, say, LinkedIn or Google Ads, for example. And we also look to to review that kind of stuff. In addition to that, we also have been creating account-based marketing dashboards for our clients which uh, at an account level, you can see more holistically who's engaging, what they're engaging with, so on and so forth. Yeah, I
0: think being able to crack the nut on seeing account level behavior like across channels is just hugely important. Sonia, I'd been interested if you've seen the insights that we're generating out of media or some of these technologies that Giovanni's talking about. Has that been able to influence your marketing programs more broadly?
3: Yes, for sure. But I think the one impact I've seen from all of this and reporting out on it is definitely on our sales teams more than anyone else. We have found a way in collaborating closer with the sales organization together and feeding back any insights that we are getting from our programs to our sales teams, making sure they are fully enabled on all the programs that we are executing. And I think with all of these insights from our online executions, What our sales team has therefore been able to do is really personalize and customize their outreach program in a lot better way than they used to do previously. So I think if I do see any benefit of reporting out on all the things that we do, it's primarily really on our, in terms of how it has influenced our our sales teams and their capabilities in turn. But of course, we are also using it to optimize our own marketing programs needless to say so we use it in a dual way but I've seen the more monumental impact on our sales team directly.
1: I think the two key words that jump out at me the most there is definitely collaboration and integration which sound like terribly wanky words at the best of times but it is true right I don't think you can run ABM in silo yeah marketing can't do it alone and sales can't do it alone. And more broadly, like even like customer success teams can't do it alone. So there, there is the, the functional, like inner guts of a business, like it has to come together. But at the same time, the channels also need to integrate really well together. Tim said paid media investment looking at ABM. And I'm like, that's great. But as Shivani said, Paid media needs to be fueled by stuff that's in your database, which is maybe a Marketo integration, which then becomes like a sales outreach conversation. And I think joining all those different touch points together, as we said earlier, is really difficult, but I think it pays dividends if you get it right. Yeah,
3: absolutely. But I think that is also why it's so important to ensure that the list that you're targeting is right and is exactly who you need to target, right? Because if you can't get that basic targeting right, it doesn't really matter what sophisticated program you're executing, it's not going to be successful, right? Or not as successful as you want it to be.
1: I love how we've gone full circle to Tim's first question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, and I think that's a nice way to, to wrap it up is the key takeaway it is about your strategy and your targeting and that kind of organizational alignment and the agreement you're building with the sales team at the outset of the program. So I'm glad it came back there. I think the last thing I'd like to do, and thank you because you guys have already been really generous with your time and your thoughts here, but would love to get some hot takes. What do you guys think is the key innovation or the key opportunity for marketers in, in 2023? What should they be taking notice about? What can improve their demand generation programs? So, Shivo, might put you in the hot seat. Oh, me
2: first. <laughs> my love that. I wouldn't say this is a new trend or innovation by any means, but what I'm really excited to see develop in ABM and, I guess, demand generation and B2B more broadly is improved customer experiences. The preference of business buyers is changing in line with how our own personal preferences are changing as consumers, right? We expect really high-quality, tailored brand experiences, and that's no different for folks in a buying committee. And so I'm really interested to see how ABM continues to leverage this notion of business to person through increased CX and personalization. And from a Merkle perspective, we've been undergoing a lot of customer journey mapping work for our clients based on this philosophy of improved CX and personalization and, you know, more one-to-one experiences. And so we're really looking forward to seeing how that kind of helps drive outcomes for our clients' programs.
1: Jay, I'm going to go a bit more left field and actually say sexy hot topic. I think generative AI at the moment has massive implications for ABM, and I think it will allow you to actually design those individual experiences Shivs is talking about, but to be able to do it at scale in a very short space of time, depending on whatever format. It might be dynamic creative, it might be messaging, it might be click to call. I mean, It could be a whole bunch of different things, but I think being able to personalize those experiences at scale, we're moving away from automation and into artificial intelligence.
0: And Sonia, would just love to hear from you from the marketers' perspective again. What are you excited about for twenty twenty three and innovations and what it holds for marketers?
3: So I couldn't agree more with Shiv and Jake. In fact, that was going to be my response as well. I think personalization and scale is definitely where we want to go and what we want to start improving on and. I think there are so many opportunities nowadays, as Jake already said, with AI solutions, right? And just figuring out how to weave that into your ABM program. I think that is definitely something that will become really interesting to watch over the next year.
0: Yeah, I think it's super exciting from a media standpoint, like we have dynamic creative optimization capabilities and these things can be a really heavy lift sometime and generative AI does have the power to be able to help you scale that. So I I think it'll be a really interesting space to watch. And on that note, because we've finally hit the generative AI topic, we can now finish off our discussion. I just wanted to thank you guys again for being so generous with your time and your thoughts, that was a great discussion and really interesting to hear the journey that Adobe's been on with Merkel, and super excited to see where it goes. So thank you, guys.
1: Yeah. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having thank
0: us. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the Merkel B2B Demand Gen Blueprint podcast series. If you'd like to find out more about Merkel or the Merkel B2B superpowers research, you can visit us on our website or email us on inquiry at merkleinc.com.au or click the link in the episode description below. Thanks again.